Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What an awesome day to give God praise and to thank the Lord for his goodness. God is so good and worthy to be praised. When I think about the goodness of the Lord, my soul rejoices. Welcome to the Amazing Truth Weekly Radio Broadcast. I'm Pastor Arnett D. Owen from Turning Point Mission Center Church. We're located at 1814 Shady Lane Drive in Jackson, Mississippi, and our zip code is 39204. Our prayer line is open. Hallelujah. We are here ready to pray with you. Perhaps you tried everything, but we want you to try Jesus. If you need any prayer intervention, call us, and we'll be happy to pray with you. We know that God is all-powerful, and he still answers prayers. So give us a call, 866-395-6873. That's 866-395-6873. We'll be happy to pray with you. Today's lesson is entitled, The Second Coming. Part 2. And our subtopic is the certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, our hearts just rejoice when we think about your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness, and your compassion, and your faithfulness. Oh God, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us. We thank you, Lord, and we ask you to shower down your blessings upon everyone that is listening. Oh, Father, you see everything. You know everything about us. There's nothing you don't know, and there's nothing too hard for you. So we just ask you right now to look down upon your people, and for everyone that's listening, Lord, shower down your blessing. Let your blood cover rest over them. Oh, Father God, be with them, provide for them, cover them. And Lord Jesus, give them clarity, give them direction, and let them hear you speaking to them. Let their hearts be drawn closer to you. We thank you for this radio station giving us this opportunity. And we pray, Father, that you will bless this broadcast and let the power of your word transform hearts and draw us closer to you as we prepare for your soon return. Lord, we just want to thank you for our families, our relatives, and our friends. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us to share your word. We lift up all the bereaved families all over the globe. Oh, Father, only you can comfort. Only you truly know their heart of heart and know how to bless them in spite of what they are going through. So we just ask you to move in their hearts, cover them, and comfort them. We pray for all who are recovering from disasters. We pray for our first responders, our emergency workers and the frontline workers, our medical personnel and their families, all our firefighters, our police officers and their families. We pray, Father, for the unrest in Ukraine and our worldwide community. You know, Father, and we pray that you will look down on us as a nation. Oh, Father God. America is sick, and we need you to heal us. Father God, help us to return to our first love. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless us. Have mercy upon us as a nation. We lift up our, up our leaders, all of our leaders, 
uh, but especially our president and our vice president. Lord, cover them. Give them wisdom. And Father, surround them by people who care and who want to do what is right and who is knowledgeable and can help lead this country back to where we need to be. And Father, we pray for uh, all those that are sick on the bed of affliction. We know you to be a healer. So we are believing you for healing. And Lord, we pray that you will bless our armed forces and their families. Thank you for them. We pray especially for the disabled veterans. Bless them and their families. And Lord, we just ask you to bless us as men and women of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us as your pastors, as your leaders. Help us, Father, to be the leaders you're calling for in these last and evil days. Help us to study thy word. Lord Jesus, help us to believe your word. And then help us to be able to write without the word of truth. Preaching, teaching, so search away. Their hearts to be drawn to you. As the word go forth, let the Holy Spirit convict. And let them respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, for the entire body of Christ. We pray also for the unsaved. Oh, Lord Jesus, Jesus, we know you want to save them. I was a wretch undone, and you saved my soul. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your saving power. I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you for your love. I thank you for forgiving me and drawing me into your family, Lord. Adopting me as a family member. Oh, Jesus, and I thank you for all the power of the Holy Ghost that you have poured into my life. And I know just like you have saved me, you will save them. So as your spirit moves, let them respond to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to thank you for your bountiful blessings, seen and unseen. And Lord, we thank you for answered prayers. And we believe you're going to answer this prayer. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, have we prayed and we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Again, we want to welcome you to the Amazing Truth Weekly Radio Broadcast. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts. Acts is in the New Testament. Acts is right after the book of John and before the book of Romans. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 42. The word of God says, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. So we have a mandate to share this word with you. And our lesson today is entitled, The Second Coming, Part 2. And our subtopic, The Certainty of the Second Coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible accurately recorded history in advance since the time of Babylon. Prophecy affirmed in any history book. We can trust it will also be right about the second coming of Jesus Christ. In a sweeping, comprehensive review of world history, a prophecy foretold in the Bible in the book of Daniel chapter 2 revealed the rise and fall of nations in advance, all culminating with the second coming. More than 2,600 years ago, an ancient Babylonian king who had conquered the nation of Israel had a mysterious, confusing dream. When his wise men and astrology couldn't decipher his dream, a Hebrew captain stepped forward and, through God's help, unraveled the king's dream, which provided a stunning overview 
of time down to the end of the world. Now let us get started with today's lesson. Father God, you are the master teacher, so we yield ourselves to you. Teach, Lord God. Speak, Lord God. Guide and direct. You will be glorified, and I give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our first question today is, when Daniel was brought before the king, what did Daniel say? We can find that answer in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verses 27-28. That's Daniel, chapter 2. And Daniel's in the Old Testament. That's Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. This is what the Word of God says. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologer, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto thee, king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thou dream, and the visions of thy head upon their bed are these. So we see here from Daniel chapter 2, verse 27, 28, that Daniel told the king that no philosopher, astrology, fortune teller, or anyone else who claims to communicate with the dead can reveal to the king what the king was asking. But Daniel wanted the king to know there is a God in heaven who can reveal anything and explain any mysteries which trouble the king. It is this God, O king, who showed you the future, Daniel said. Daniel also said, first, let me tell you your dream and the vision you had while you were asleep so you can be confident of interpretation. Now, next question is, why did Daniel say the thoughts that came into the mind of the king while he slept? Why did it happen? Daniel chapter 2 verses 29 and 30 gives us that answer. The word of God says, as, as for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secret make is known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this great secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mayest know the thoughts of thy heart. So we see here from Daniel chapter 2, verses 29 and 30, that Daniel said uh, to the king, he told him that uh, before you went to sleep that night, you were concerned about your kingdom. So during the night, the God who knows the future showed you what will happen right up to the end of the world. Daniel also wanted the king to know that it wasn't because he was so wise that he knew all of this, but because God revealed the same dream to Daniel that he had also showed to the king. And Daniel, God also told Daniel what the dream meant. So God did this to answer your concerns, O king, about the future of your kingdom. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar listened in awe as the Jewish hostage named Daniel unfolded the dream of a multi-million statue of a man. This statue was made of all different metals and minerals, 
uh, the king dreamed about it. He could not remember the dream. So this young prophet was given the insight by God to explain the meaning of this vision in Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 and through 33. So let's look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 33. The word of God says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof were terrible. This image head was of fine gold, his breath and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. So this is the vision. This is what the king Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream that he could not remember. So God has revealed to Daniel what the king could not remember. So our next question is, we want to, um, our next question is, what words, with what word did Daniel begin the interpretation of this dream? In other words, uh, what did Daniel say? How did he begin his interpretation, to, to explain his interpretation? We find that answer in Daniel chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. This is what Daniel said when he uh, started off to give the interpretation of this dream. He said, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven has he given into thine hand and has made thee ruler over them all. Thou art the head of gold. So we see here that the character of the Babylonian empire is fittingly indicated by the nature of the material composing that portion of the image by which it symbolized. It was symbolized as by the head of gold. It was the golden kingdom of a golden age. The city of Babylon is metropolitan according to history tower to a height never equal by any of its latter rivalries. Situated in the garden of the east, laid out in a perfect square, 60 miles in circumference, 15 miles on each side, surrounded by a wall 350 feet high and 87 feet thick with a trench or some would say ditch around it of equal cubic capacity with the walls thereof divided into 676 squares laid out in rich pleasure grounds and garden intermingled with significant dwellings. This city containing in itself many things which were themselves wonders of the world, was itself another and still mighty wonder. Search was Babylon, with Nebuchadnezzar, useful, bold, vigorous, and accomplished, sitting upon its throne. So Daniel made sure King Nebuchadnezzar understood that the head on this stature which was represented by a head of gold that uh, symbolized or represented the kings. That's what he was telling here in this passage of scripture in, in, in Daniel chapter 2, 
verse 37 and 38. Now let's continue to look at Daniel's interpretation of the dream. Daniel revealed that the head of gold on the statue represented Babylon, which reigned from 605 B.C. to 539 B.C. History next confirms that the chest and arms of silver symbolized the Medo-Persian Empire, which overran Babylon and reigned from 539 B.C. to 331 B.C. Their belly and thighs of brass uh, stood for Greece. Alexander the Great conquered the Persian, paving the way for Greek rule from 331 B.C. to 168 B.C. Next, the legs of iron symbolized the iron monarch of Rome, which conquered the Greeks in 168 B.C. and dominated the world until A.D. 476. When the Roman Empire began to crumble, it was not overtaken by another worldwide power like the previous one. Rather, the statue feet of iron mixed with clay represented the successive massive or dramatic invaders who divided the territory into what is now known as modern-day Europe. Though many rulers have tried to unite Europe including Charmaine, Napoleon, Charles V, Louis XIV, and even Adolf Hitler. None has been successful. Now our next question says, what scripture shows the Roman emperors rule the world? And we can find that answer by going to the New Testament to the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1. The word of God says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be taxed. So based on Luke chapter 2 verse 1, we see that Caesar Augusta declared a nationwide censor in all the countries throughout the Roman Empire. So Caesar Augusta was a Roman emperor. And we see here how he made a decree for the whole world to be uh, going to a censor to count up and to see how many citizens there were. The striving the Roman conquerors, Gibeons, uses the very imagery employed in the vision of Daniel chapter 2. He says, The arms of the Republic, sometimes vanquished in battle, always victories in war, advance with rapid steps to the Euphrates, to the Dumbi to the rhyme and the ocean, and the imageries of gold or silver or brass that might serve to represent the nations and kings were consecutively broken by the iron monocracy of Rome. And that comes from the climb and fall of the Roman Empire, chapter 38, paragraph 1, under general observations at the close of the chapter. Our next question by what means were the image broken to pieces? Let's turn to Daniel chapter 2 verse 34 for that answer. Daniel chapter 2 verse 34 says, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and broke them to pieces. So we see here that Daniel told the king that while you were looking at the image, 
you saw a huge rock break loose from the mountain without anyone touching it and struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay, smashing them to pieces. Someone may say, who is the stone cut out without hands that demolished the image with massive force? Well, I want you to know that that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a rock of ages. Jesus Christ is a rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ is, is our everlasting king. He has everlasting strength. So Jesus Christ was that a stone that was cut out without hand. Now, our next question is, how did Nebuchadnezzar's dream end? Now, we just saw here in, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, that this uh, stone that was cut out without hand uh, struck the image on his feet. And the feet, of course, made of iron and clay uh, was smashed and just uh, collapsed. And so as we see that, now we want to see how it ends, picking up at verse 35. This Daniel chapter 2, verse 35. The word says, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smoked the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. We're talking about how did Nebuchadnezzar's dream end. So we see here that Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar that the whole statue collapsed. And when the statue collapsed, of course, we know this statue was made of, of iron, bronze, silver, and gold. And all this has turned to dust. And this dust uh, was carried away like on a hot summer day. And then a strong wind came and just blew this dust away. And there were no trace of any of the metals that represented these kingdoms. Daniel also told the king that the next thing you saw was a rock that grew bigger and bigger until it became a mountain that filled the whole earth. And like we said earlier, this is symbolic of Jesus and his and the next kingdom is going to come. So we look here and, and see that all of history moved toward the spectacular finale when the son of God returns to the earth with power. History textbooks confirm that we are living in the toes of this grand symbolic figure. Kingdom has risen and kingdom has fallen, just as God predicted through Daniel. Now, what is to take place in the days of these kingdoms? According to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, the word of God says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to the people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever so we see here from daniel chapter 2 verse 44 that uh foretells of the establishment of another universal kingdom and this is the kingdom of god Hallelujah. And this kingdom is to overthrow and supplant all existing earthly kingdoms 
and is to stand forever. The time for the setting up of this kingdom was to be, according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, in the days of these kings. Now, this cannot refer to the four preceding empires or kingdoms, for they were not concurrent but succeeding. Neither can it refer to an establishment in the kingdom at Christ's first event. For the ten kingdoms which arose out of the ruin of the Roman Empire were not yet in existence. So therefore it must refer to a future kingdom. The last scene in Nebuchadnezzar's dream is the coming of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Prophecy, Bible prophecy has proven itself trustworthy. So we can know with certainty that we are living in the end times. Jesus will soon come. He will soon return. He has promised and he will come back. So our next question is, in what announcement in the New Testament is the establishment of the kingdom of God made known? And we can find that answer in the book of Revelation. Revelation, hallelujah, that's Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And of course, Revelation is the last book in the Bible. That's Revelation chapter 15. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Again, that's Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. This is what the Word of God says. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. So we see here in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, John the Revelator heard the seventh angel blow his trumpet, and the third and last woe began. John heard voices coming out of heaven saying, The time has come for the kingdom of this world to become the kingdom of, the, of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, along with the Lord, our, our Heavenly Father, who shall reign forever and ever. This remarkable dream, as interpreted by Daniel, presents in the briefest form and yet with unmistakable clarity the course of world empires from the time of Nebuchadnezzar to the close of earthly history and the setting up of the everlasting kingdom of God. The history confirms the prophecy. The prophetic stature of Daniel chapter 2 representing the various kingdom of the earth through history brings us down to this last empire that's going to be set up. This everlasting kingdom, this universal kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So our next question is, is what event is closely associated with the establishment of God's everlasting kingdom? And we can find that answer in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The word of God says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who should judge the quick and dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So we see here that the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is closely associated with the establishment of God's kingdom. Praise be to God. And our last question is, with what prayer do the scripture close? And that comes from the book of Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. 
the word of God says, He which testifies these things says, Surely I've come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So we see here the scripture closed with the, in the book of Revelation with a prayer for Jesus to come quickly. Jesus is coming. Are you watching? Are you ready? Or will you be swept away unexpectedly? Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Amazing Truth Weekly Radio Broadcast. Our prayer line is open. That number is one 866 395 That number again is one 395 Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing your signs and messages throughout your word so that we will not be swept away unexpectedly at your second coming. Please, Lord Jesus, help us to prepare and watch for your appearing so that we'll be ready when you come back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We look forward to you joining us next week at the same time. Until then, pray, study, prepare, and watch for Jesus' return. God bless you.